Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the China Shop. This week, we are joined by the jocular and jazzy Jeremy Delk founder of Delk Enterprises. But uh, before we dive into today's discussion, just like to take a quick moment to thank our friends over at Trade Pro Academy and Orderflow Labs. If you are looking for institutional quality trading education, make sure you check out tradeproacademy.com. And if you're into trading futures, you'll definitely want to look into the custom tools and studies over at orderflowlabs.com. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, you can learn more about today's guest at his personal website, jeremydelk.com. And then lastly, uh, be sure to reach out to us with your suggestions, corrections, questions for future guests. You can do that via email at tubals at financialindeptitude.com, or you can just join our free Discord server where a bunch of amazing people gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. Make sure all those links are in the episode description. Now that we got all that out of the way, uh, we should get to know our guest today. Jeremy, how are you doing? Doing good, Kyle. How are you? Ah, doing fantastic. Well, that's actually a lie. I guess you lie to yourself and sometimes you feel it, right? <laughs> that's right. No, no. we just had our daughter visiting in town. She left today, so it's kind of a oh, melancholy day. Yeah. Will she come back for uh, the Christmas holidays or? Uh, for Thanksgiving. It, no, she was in for Thanksgiving, but, but will she come back again for Christmas or no? No, I think she's visiting her dad for that that one. Tough. But it was a good visit. I mean, we had a lot of fun with her. That's awesome. But you know how that is, you know, you see somebody you haven't seen for a few months and then feels kind of sad when they leave. It is. It is. But, uh, you know, not about me. We're here to talk about you. <laughs> Jeremy, uh, I was reading through your bio, and I, I got to say I was fascinated by the journey that it looks like you've been on. And I'd love to just kind of just start off and dive into that. Yeah, no. Like, how did you get into trading? Like, Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm a small town kid from Bardstown, Kentucky. Uh, so we're probably most notable for like the bourbon capital of the world. Mm. So 30,000 people and, you know, I always had this kind of feeling of, you know, big fish and small pond. And I always want to have this, this inner yearning to kind of want to do more, see more and be more. Mm-hmm. And that small town, you know, America feel this is before the internet really kind of took off, you know, the old Sinatra adage, if you can make it and make it here, you can make it anywhere. And that was New York. Right. So I'm a German English kid from the Hills, right? At Kentucky. So the only thing I knew about New York was either like the mafia. Right. So I don't think I had the, the pedigree <laughs> to be in the mob. <laughs> Right. And then, and then Wall Street, right? You see New York, you think Wall Street, and that was kind of it. So I, uh, you know, I, I lost my father when I was a, you know, I was about seven years old to a tragic motorbike accident. And um, I got a $30,000 inheritance that was coming to me when uh, I turned 18. Mm-hmm. So I knew that was coming uh, at 17. So I'm like, you know what? Here's my shot. I'm going to take this and become, you know, a titan of Wall Street. So I started, you know, was completely self-taught and reading uh, Investor Business Daily at 17, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal. This was back in the day. I don't think it's if it's still around, but like the Raging Bull, if you remember that stock broker for that stock forum, which was like just 
full of it. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it was. It was but it I might was, be thinking of the movie. Yeah, no, yeah. Raging, Raging Bull was that. It was. It was just a, a big open forum that was like early days. So like you even think early social media. Um, mm-hmm. Not just similar to how what, what happened with all the uh, GameStop and Reddit forums, right? But this was a more archaic version of that, right? In the late nineties, and uh, so self-taught. And you know, my mom, who's always been super supportive of me, um, good and bad, right? And just kind of <laughs> letting me make my own mistakes. Uh, allowed me to cash out. So I went to school in, in Providence, Rhode Island. I cashed out the Disney and 20th Century Ultra Mutual Fund that they had put in, uh, put safely away for me and uh, ripped that out and started day trading, um, mainly tech stocks. Uh, my two that I traded mostly were JDS Uniphase and, and Qualcomm. Okay. So you, like, where did you get your information from then? Like, how did you, like, what were some of the things that you found that really helped you kind of understand and grasp, like give you the confidence to do what you're trying to do? Well, confidence or naivete, I don't know which yeah, one that right. is, and, and a 17-year-old testosterone, <laughs> or just like an in, invincible. So, I mean, I, I'll kind of cut to a little bit of it. You know, I I was day trading, you know, on a Palm Pilot on a, on, this was back when it was Ameritrade. And, you know, I was doing that in class and I was, you know, just, I was leveraged on margin, which was super smart. <laughs> right. Um, you don't know how to do it. And I was and retrospectively, I was trading completely naked. I had no idea. Again, I was self-taught. I was I was a momentum player completely, mm-hmm. trading up news and volumes going through. And, you know, I was not really covering any positions. I was, you know, naked all the way. So I was either, you know, naked short or just, you know, straight calls, very, very little option stuff because mm-hmm. um, I didn't know it. And, you know, it was easy. It was easy because it was a bull market, right? And I was, I was making $20,000, $30,000 a day, day trading. And I grew that portfolio to about 2 million bucks at 19, wow. and, which is pretty impressive until you hear the really impressive part. I blew it up in four days. So I lost $2 million in four days. Oh. So that was pretty cool. Was, uh, was that 2 million in unrealized gains or was that 2 million in like realize, like you'd actually sold stock and built the portfolio? Up? Yeah. Well, I was day trading. Right. So, I mean, it was, yeah, I, yeah. I was cashing out most same, but in, until you, right. You don't follow your own system, right. You're supposed to get out of them. Right. That's a, right. Know, go with bed with stocks. And this was early days with like aftermarket tr- trading and all that stuff was like super, super new. Mm-hmm. If you should, but to answer your question, it was like forums, you know, my, my TV would wake me up was Maria Mart. Maria Bartiromo, right? And, you know, Squawk mm-hmm. Box. And like, that's what I, how I would get up and I would just kind of go through. So super, you know, uninformed, not a great strategy. I was basically gambling, but I knew and had a sense for the market, at least as, as every gambler says, right? But right. Since I was only in those stocks, I knew them so, so well that, you know, it worked. And like, if I, if I took a hit of a couple hundred grand, I would double down usually with leverage because it would pop back up the next day or whatever. And I had seen that so much that when we had two days of it, that's when the kryptonite happened. Cause I basically, uh, oh, let's just hold on. It's gonna, it's gotta, you know, it's I'm due, it's gotta come back. And as you know, like late nineties, early two thousands, um, you know what, uh, you know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. The bubble tech bubble, bubble right? Yeah. So that sucked. So all your listeners don't do that. Um, <laughs> that yeah. That sounds like Martingale, right? Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, just keep, just keep adding and adding and adding until eventually it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But you know, I think there's lessons that we learn in life, right. And, mm-hmm. and some of them, uh, you, you can't really appreciate or, or take away the lessons until you've got some time to let those wounds heal. Right. So for me, small town kid, I didn't have a, uh, a backstop, right. I was literally, you know, walking a tightrope without a net. My mom, as much as she loved me, couldn't help me. Right. And right. I, 
I'd had the accoutrements of wealth now, right? And wealth is being, you know, maybe a bit loose, but you know, $2 million for a 19 year old kid is basically a billion dollars, especially in the nineties. Like it's especially in the nineties. Yeah. So, um, I had a, you know, a condo with 20 foot ceilings as every freshman in college should have (laughs) all the stuff that like that, um, whatever, but they still had bills. Right. And so I had condo fees and all those things. So after about four days of drowning my sorrow and Jägermeister and, you know, no food and just like feeling sorry for myself, um, I had that moment of like, Hey kid, like, you know, you can dust yourself off and, and, you know, get up and fucking figure it out or go home and cry to mom. Right. And right. for me. And that wasn't what I was going to do. So that led me to really my entrepreneurial career when I, well, that led me to, I guess, probably my entrepreneurial spirit. I actually got my first real job, um, after three or four odd jobs, packing trucks and doing things, um, mm-hmm. I, by happenstance, um, renting apartments at the complex beside my, uh, where my condo was, I'd met a, an institutional equity trader. He was the head of the equity desk, um, at Fidelity that had just moved, uh, moved in. Mm-hmm. And I was just rapping with, with people at, at a little pool party. Um, cause I got a commission every time I rented somebody. So I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Just tell me about yeah. yourself, your friends, whatever. And then he mentioned the market. I'm like, Oh, cool. And I started dropping not knowledge, but just, I had a breath and feeling of the market, which he was mm-hmm. really impressed with. Then I told him what he was really impressed. I built it to 2 million. And then he's like, well, that was really stupid that you lost it all. <laughs> that was the first time I was like, oh, we're, you were trading completely naked. I didn't know what that meant. It's like, no, nah, man, I had like shorts on. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know what, what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Not those shorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, but yeah, he's like, dude, you know, if, you know, would you ever consider working on wall street? I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, it, of course that's the kind of my dream but I don't have a degree yet. I'm still in college. I got to stay in college because my mom would kill me, right. um, but whatever. But you know, I switched to, to night school, got licensed at the time. I was the youngest uh, trader ever at Fidelity Investments history. Um, I was 19. No, I was 20. So, I mean, I only had two years of a window, right? So you had to be 18 right. to be licensed by the SEC. So I don't know if that's been beat. I'm sure it probably has, but it's it was a pretty cool little feather in my cap at the, at the moment. And it was like, how can I describe it? Like, trying to go get your driver's license and you fucking never drove before and you just go in there. And then like someone gives you the manual, like had mm-hmm. I had, had I learned what actual trading was and understanding about equities and debt and, you know, right. um, option strategies. I'm like, geez, I, I, I could have been like brain man. Like this is all so simple if I only would have known, but this was, you know, again, early internet days and information wasn't readily available, but hindsight, um, I don't recommend everyone going out and blowing 2 million bucks, but for me, <laughs> It was probably one of the best lessons that, that, that ever happened to me, right? Or for me, really. Do you think you wouldn't have learned that lesson if you'd only lost, say, half of it? No, I, I would have yeah. I, I, It just would have taken the story to propel a bit longer. Instead of four days, it would have been like 14 days, right? Because I, I mean, right. the market just completely came out. But then, you know what? I, I've often thought about that, you know, and I've got two kids and hopefully more on the way. And, and, and you know, that's my... That's, a, that's what's important to me as a father mm-hmm. and provider and employer. And that did teach me some humility, like a really tough fucking spoon of humility. But what if I hadn't learned that, right? And if I got in just dumb luck until I was 25 and 30 years old and started a family and then right. lost it. So it did uh, that. I'm grateful for the lesson and the timing of the lesson because I've seen so many people that just go and they think they're invincible until they're not. 
right? That's such a great uh, point too, to talking about like, like having regrets, like the great regrets in life. Like if you really think about it, like if you weren't able to go back and change that, how would you be different now? Right. And I think a lot of the times we probably wouldn't like the answer. No. So, I mean, if I can just be, uh, if I can be a little cheesy here, I've got a, I don't know, a video, but I've got, I just came out with this book, but you know, I think there's a, in my opening, it really kind of brings that together. Yeah. The dawning realization that someone may be driving you into the middle of a desert in order to end your life without witnesses can be quite sobering. When faced with such a situation, there are a couple of different ways you can handle it. One, you can beg and plead with the driver, maybe even offer a bribe to spare your life. Two, you can reflect on everything that put you where you are and realize you do most of it the same way all over again mm. and start singing with gusto. I did it my way. So, you know, that's the, the piece. Like when you go back, I, I think I, I don't really have too many regrets in life because I look at things that have happened, you know, not to me, but really for me. Right. And I know there's a lesson there and it could be a mistake that I made and it could have been, you know, a read that you played wrong, but that's why, you know, I'm an overnight success 22 years later. Right. <laughs> right. right. Well, going through that. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it speaks to your mentality too, because you have, I, I remember one person I talked to was telling me one of the interview questions he always liked to ask was if the person considers themselves lucky. And the idea was to get an idea of like their perspective. Like I can look at, there could be two, two people can experience the same incident. Like say there's a car accident and somebody gets injured, but he's okay. Like the lucky person thinks, you know, I'm lucky that this wasn't worse. Whereas the pessimist type person looks at that and says, why did this happen to me? No, exactly. And it's all perspective, right? And I think mm -hmm. it's easier to do the latter, right? It's easier to feel bad and guilty and not guilty, but to feel, you know, pity for yourself and like, oh, woe is me. Right. It's not fucking productive, right? It's right. Just, yeah. Where, where's the benefit of that? I mean, that's it. <laughs> that's one of the things that we try to strive for uh, with the group that, you know, trades with us in the Discord is we try to look for the lessons to learn from every setback that we take. Yeah. Because it's not a setback or it's not a loss. It doesn't hurt you until you refuse to learn from it. No, I, I can't. I mean, I can't agree more. I mean, it's, it's, you haven't really failed until you stop. Yeah. So you, I got to go. Okay. So what kind of information did you need to learn in order to actually go work for Fidelity? Like that's something that's always kind of intrigued me is like, what, what do they teach you there? Like, well, I just, I don't know what, how it is now. And I don't know that you, it would work what happened to be because <laughs> timing. Right, right. I met the right guy, right time and really impressed him. But they basically, I, and I went through like a four interview process. So it was, it was a tedious process back then, background churches and all. But the first three months there was basically a paid education, right? Mm -hmm. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. So they put you into school really. And, you know, and I, I pride myself because I don't read, even though I wrote a book, right? I listen to Audible. And, and even in college, <laughs> you know, I would survey courses that you know, taught off of lectures, not books. Right. And that's all, if you've ever looked at, you know, what takes to pass the series seven and 63, I mean, I'm holding my hands up because you can't see me on video, but at least three foot tall stack of books. And I'm like, oh, is there like a you know, book on tape on this? Or what can you do? Like, no, man, you got to fucking read this. So it was reading it, testing, going through mock tests. So that's why I said like, it was like, if I only had this, you know, three months prior, I would have been invincible. Um, and that's probably not true, but it was, I really got paid. So Fidelity was a great place for me to really learn. And they invested a lot of time and money into me before I ever started producing money for them. So that's how I learned it. And I, I don't know what that process is like now. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I'm pretty sure there's no, you know, other than going to school, like in, you know, I can go on school and education for, for hours, but I don't think, you know, just like trading stock, you don't learn that in college, right? I mean, you can be yeah. a major, but it's fucking, it's macro, you know, and microeconomics that, that's great information, but it's not tactical and trade specific. Um, no pun intended with trade, but trade to mm-hmm. me, what I did as a trader or a doctor or a lawyer, those are all trades that are very, very niche, very specific that that's what you need to learn to. And there's not a brokerage trading school, right? You, right. you know, by the company that you're going through. If you're an analyst, maybe you're that's good and you want to go into a you know into a Goldman or somewhere like that. Um, you know, you're only getting selected by, you know, if you're going into Wharton or coming out of Wharton. But you know, and now it's so changed though, right? The information and what what we have with the the internet, you know, information is so much more accessible that you can you can really be self-taught and be armed up with a lot of those uh a lot of that information and and uh, education there. The hard part, though, is finding like good sources of education because there's a lot of people out there because there's so many people that are self-taught that there's a lot of bad information out there, too. And when you're just starting out, it's really hard to know the difference. Oh, for sure. And I think but that's just choose your source, right? I mean, I think that mm-hmm. the opponent, like, hey, you know, buy my ebook, buy this. Like, you know, there's so many fucking fake influencers out there. Like, that's just <laughs> who trust the source. There's an I mean, I think Elon Musk said this, right? There's actually, you know, probably, you know, with the Internet today. Um, mm-hmm. again, looking at the right sources, but which are trusted that if it's free information you're going through that you could get a world-class education for free on the internet period. Yes. And you lose the human touch of camaraderie, you know, social groups and group learning and think that you lose that piece, but there's other platforms that you can kind of join and probably like yours, right. That you have this community that you're going through and it's trusted. And as long as you are aligned and you have that community type base, that's great. Cause it's a safe place. And I think that's where you know, especially with the web and forums and these things, it's taken and, and allowed, because I'm more extroverted probably, my name extroverted period, but it's allowed a platform now for introverted people who may not raise their hand because that's a quote unquote stupid question right? in a, in a brick and mortar location, as opposed to like, if I'm just, you know, Jay Delk 75, 32, you know, cool guy, right? Right, right. I'm, I'm cool. I'm, 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 I've got a layer a protection, a blanket of little anonymity that's like helping me not, not anonymity to be bad, but like, Hey, it's a safe place. Right. 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 It's tough to get those environments. It's it, even, even with that anonymity, people still, I think are really reserved when it comes to, to really asking the questions. And I think a lot of it too, is you just don't know what questions that you need to ask. Like it can be, right. it can be very overwhelming when you just don't know what you don't know. Not for sure. Uh, so how long did you, did you spend uh, with Fidelity? Before you, you struck out on your own, almost two years, not very long. I was in I was in uh, Boston mm-hmm. at the World Trade Center there, and then relocated to uh, to Manhattan. What do they have you doing? Just institutional trading. Just uh, so it was like basically trading for for funds. So like you know, just l- large block sales and and trying to to place them with good bid asks. Oh, what's the biggest order you placed? Um. Was it was it a bigger order than you did when you were in oh, college? Yeah. We're <laughs> okay, fifteen twenty million dollar blocks, right? Um, so we, we would go. So those it sounds like a lot, but it wasn't much to get into because you can get those eaten up by a, a fund or a group of funds pretty quickly. Right, right, right. Especially if they were internal stuff, like on on the buy side, mm-hmm. go to the, you know one of the two fund managers that could place them into Magellan back in the day, or these other uh, 
know, two or three funds. So to, to lop in, you know, $5 million lots is, is nothing. The trick was trying to do it where you don't, you know, group it up to, to run the price up on yourself. Right. So that's, right. that's the art. <laughs> so why did you leave then? Uh, Cause you said in the beginning, like when you met the guy that kind of put you in contact with it, that, that was sort of your dream. Well, it's my dream as a 17, you know, 16, 17 year old kid. Right. And because I just wanted to, to do more. I think for me, I, I quickly learned that I'm a, I'm a creative, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a creative, I'm a, you know, just, I don't know, it's a visionary, it's kind of, kind of cliche. Um, I just like learning and I like mm-hmm. you know, creating and solving problems and I'm, I'm forever curious, which is probably why I've, you know, had, you know, dozens and dozens of businesses throughout multiple industries. Um, so the biggest piece to answer you directly was I, you know, I, I'm from Kentucky, but I don't think I sound from like I'm from Kentucky. No, no, you need that. <laughs> I would have all these ideas that I would pitch, you know, my team or, you know, my senior managers at, at, on the desk and like, none of them were ever taken up. Like, man, just keep your head down kid. Like, you know what I mean? So I actually changed my, um, inflection and how I spoke. I'm a bit of a chameleon because I thought maybe, because I knew my ideas were good, but like maybe mm-hmm. I'm a fucking hillbilly, right? And I'm stupid. So like, like so let me just change in the way that uh, I bring it. And that didn't happen. And what I learned was, you know, I'm making really, really good money, more money than my parents are both making um, at the post office. I'm driving a BMW X5, which just came out new, 4.4, sick, nice body package, like 12, like all this cool stuff. The guys that are 20, 30 years my senior are driving Bentleys and Rolls's. So but we're not creating anything. Right. And right. I, I just couldn't see myself doing the same thing for another 20 years. So I, I got, you know, again, probably being a bit naive and being invincible after picking myself back off the ground uh, and, and giving myself that confidence that I could, I could survive. Um, I went on my own um, and found, founded Delk Enterprises, which is 22 years uh, nearly old today. That's pretty impressive. I, I was actually more impressed to see that you were actually profitable your first year. Well, six thousand dollars. I mean, so it, it did, doesn't it, matter. Six, six thousand. <laughs> my, my rent at Chelsea was like eighty five hundred, so like it was a <laughs> month. So it was a bit of a delta, but I had some cash stacked up, and yeah. Tell me about uh, uh, the process. Uh, like, what what does uh, Delk Enterprises do? So you know, today we uh, it's, it's a small you know I, I would say you know venture studio type of fund. Mm-hmm. It's predominantly my money. I, you know, we do co-invest sometimes, but they're, we either create them uh, early stage startups or buy them uh, bolt on. We usually take fifty one percent or more uh, control. Mm-hmm. And in this early stage, it's typically because you know these founders have this idea and they need to go raise capital. But money is definitely a problem. But really, what they need is resources, right? They need right. web dev, they need finance, they need. And so I've got that under my kind of portfolio um, of shared services. So I'm able to, beside money, get them to, you know, get some money, usually for me, less cost than it would, they think it's going to be and find the people. Cause like raising money is a full-time process, then got to deploy it by making the hires and all those things. So that's, that's what I do um, in my day job, you know, for the most part and still very excited about it. And, and it's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I started doing these podcasts and, uh, uh, some coaching stuff probably uh, six months ago. And I'm truly having more fun doing that <laughs> because it's like new problems. Like, so if, if you've got a business that you're running and like you want to have incremental growth, like I'm not your guy, but if you've got a, you know, a business that you want to just scale rapidly or having just this huge fight, like I'm the guy when it's on fire, like to call, cause I really enjoy those pieces. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, and I help kind of push, you know, entrepreneurs that are like in this place of like, do I make the hire? What's going to happen with the economy next year? What should I do? And they're in that, you know, uh, you know, paralysis by analysis. I really try to push them over that, that line with strategy and insight and, and, and a somewhat of a direction on how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been so much fun. And what's, what's happened in kind of the fruit of it is, Hey, I mean, I'm not very cheap. Um, but I try to go through and use how I charge my, my fee base to like say, okay, is it an expense or is it an investment? Right. Cause if you're not getting, you know, at least two or three times what you're paying me out, out of a month, then you shouldn't be paying me. Right. So right. then when you start looking, oh, well, it's, instead of eight grand a month or something, what I, I think my, I don't know what my fee is somewhere in that range, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting value that's, that's creating 15, $20,000 into my business. Well, then you would just keep on. If you put a quarter in a machine and get a dollar back, you would just keep fucking pumping. Right. Quarters, right. So that's what I try and really do. So they see that with me early on. Then I'm like, all right, well, let's go through and, and try to do that with other parts of your business. And then we look at the, the, the side of it as well, because inevitably, you know, just like we lie to ourselves about how we're feeling, we started off talking about your, your daughter leaving, you know, you, we lie to ourselves about why we can't do something because it could fail. And I always just, well, well, okay. So I've got all kinds of failures to, you know, besides, I mean, I've had Inc 500 companies and fastest growing in the U S I've had all these accolades, but that's all bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. I've gotten where I am because of the failures. So let's go down that, that, that wheelhouse. What happens if we fail? Cool. What happens? We lose some money. We lose some time. What happens if we don't do it? Right. And right. nearly every time the don't do it outweighs the, 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 the failure cost, quote unquote. The, how much of it do you think is the, the strive to be? like perfect. Like it's not just the, the fear of failure, but it's like the fear of starting almost unless you really have, there's a lot of people, I struggle with this myself too, actually. Like the, the trying to, to get started on something that you just really don't know what you're doing. Like this podcast kind of came about from that. Like we just ended up having to do it and then learn what we didn't know along the way. And I don't think that we would have gotten to where we were at if we hadn't at least just tried it, you know? No, I mean, a, a good friend of mine, Steve Sims, like he, he, he just came out with a, a new book himself. And uh, like one of his adage, I, I've always heard him say, like, just get going, then get good. Yeah. Right. I mean, the title of my book, without a plan, it's I, I give you 20 years of my personal life and business from entrepreneur journey. And every one of these businesses have survived me. And I had no fucking clue where I was going to go. And sometimes <laughs> that's to a credit, right? I had a direction, but if I would have had it all planned out, it would have mm-hmm. been the wrong plan nine out of 10 times because it was been too small of a goal because I, I surpassed where that initial piece is. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's number one. Number two is, you know, I don't think, I think that's a lie that we tell ourselves that we have the strive of perfection. Right. The biggest piece is what people think, right? And I always tell this, I was on with uh, someone that does like, like more like um, psychotherapy stuff and whatever. And mm-hmm. I tried to say, listen, here's a really big spoiler alert for all of your listeners. <laughs> Nobody fucking cares. They don't. They do not care. Right. They do not fucking care. They care about themselves. They care about their families. They care that's going to happen. No one cares. Cool. You could fail. And like you may be the, the topic of a conversation over a lunch meeting, then it's over. Right. Yeah. So we put so much thought into, well, what if I fail? What's everyone to say? No one cares other than you and what you think. So the, the sooner that you get over that, you're just in such a liberating place to be like, okay, cool. Laugh at it. Move on. Learn. Oh, that's such a great point. And that even goes back to like what you're saying about being afraid to speak out, you yeah. know, uh, without that uh, anonymity, like being afraid of asking a dumb question. Okay. Yeah. You might, 
there may be a reaction, but most of the time, nobody gives a shit. And in fact, there's probably a bunch of people sitting around thinking the same thing you are. Right. Uh, so how do you get to that mindset? Do you just have to just have to fail a few times and see yeah. that nothing bad happens? And and I think just it's you got to just stretch your you know stretch your comfort zone out a little bit. You know, I, I've told you a, only a couple of you know me lose a couple million bucks, and I've got worse stories probably than than mm-hmm. that. But the more you go through it and then prove to yourself that you're not dead, right? Because think about it. Everyone that's listening to this right now, everyone has been in a place and think about it. Like there's been a horrible, forget like loss and losing someone, family member, but anyone in business or a stock trade or whatever it is that you're doing, there's been a time that you can think back to right now that when you had that thing happen, quote unquote, to you, it was fucking lights, game over. I lost this. It's all over until it wasn't. Right. Right. Because everyone's still here listening to this podcast, right? And now they go through and they remember it. So you just have to to try to remember that. And then, you know, if if you don't have that, you know, naivete and you know, this the a huge, you know, I I, I take a lot of risk and you know, it's played out for me most of the time. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that innately, just make a deal with yourself of like what's going to hurt a little bit. If it doesn't work, but not be like a, a walking park where I don't really care. So you have to feel a little bit and then go. And if you pass it and you may, and it works great, then you've got a little bit forward to go and, 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 and go another layer and another layer or same thing. If you make a, you know, Hey, I'm going to try and do this trade and I want to try and make, you know, a hundred basis points over, you know, a few hours, or I don't know what your, your, all your, your group does, but, mm-hmm. and I, I, that's what I want to make. And I don't. Okay, cool. So now what's new? I want to go back and try and rip. And then you, with those small little wins, right? That's how you start stringing together that confidence that you can get, get through these things. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen. And I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. I love it. So how long did it take you to get to that point? 22 years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, look, and you still like, we, you know, our heads and our internal psyche are, is like the biggest bad. I mean, I'm okay. I wrote a book and I've, I've had some success, but I can even catch myself. You know, I, I had a deal, you know, cost me a lot of money, a couple million dollars last uh, two years ago, um, you know, real bad, like headspace. And I was like feeling bad for myself and, you know, I'm a victim and, you know, what was mm-hmm. me like, dude, fuck you, man. Like really like get yourself together and go through. So even like when you quote unquote have it together, we still play games in our head and go through it. The trick is just recognizing like, Hey, that's not productive. It's not going to solve my solution. The only thing it's going to do it is, you know, forward motion and momentum and, and just kind of going through it. So it's okay. People get in ruts, people have that, but just really look back at, at what you're doing and make sure you 
are loving what you're doing as well. I think that's the other piece. Yeah. With these fake Instagram, you know, influencers, everyone else, like everyone's trying to be someone else and just a shitty place to live, man. Right. Just be the best you that you want to be and fuck everyone else. Like, don't, it doesn't matter like what the Joneses are doing. Like, what do you want to do? You want to be tight and biggest day trip? Well, fucking do that, but don't worry about anyone else. You want to, yeah. you know, be, start a small business or start a podcast, whatever it is, like just do it for yourself. And then you will be wildly successful because you're happy. Then all the other things come out. I mean, I, I know it comes like, oh, don't focus on the money. And everyone has needs. And, and I know that's, that's true. But I'm telling mm-hmm. you, if you're doing something solely for a return or solely for money, it's, you're chasing the wrong demon, man. Right. I also like what you said, too, uh, about like, if you don't like yourself, then who will? I think was a, a quote I saw in one of the stories I was reading about you. Yeah. No, for sure. And like, it just, it's, it takes so much work. And if you're not, if you, if you're not comfortable and happy with yourself, you, you're, you're just living kind of a lie. Right. And it, it took me, I mean, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars and years of therapy to kind of get through it myself, but, you know, <laughs> um, which, uh, read my book for, for 30 bucks and you can save, uh, save all that cash. But right. it's, it, it's really, truly like, Hey, why am I really doing this? And what's the, what's the point? Right. Cause we only get one, uh, one crack of this game called life. Yeah, I don't want to crap out early, <laughs> but I also don't want to never take a shot too. You know, yeah, for sure. I, I like what like, I want to go circle back to what you're saying with the the business owners, the entrepreneurs you talk to, where you try to push them into making decisions or, or just trying, like the the cost of not trying. Oh, for sure. Like that, I think is the bigger regret that you'd have in your life is to not take your shot when you have the opportunity. Exactly. Every time it's that. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, should we move on to talk a little bit more about venture capitalism and what exactly that entails? Yeah, for sure. Since you kind of moved away from, it sounds like you don't really trade stocks as much anymore, more like you trade companies, kind of like Warren Buffett pivoted to later in his career. Yeah. I mean, so that's, that is true. I mean, so I, um, the only stock that I have right now, this is obviously for disclosures, not, not financial advice, but the only stock I have in the market is 23andMe. Um, but I usually, I was early Airbnb, I was early um, Uber, mm-hmm. not like Series A, but um, early enough. So I was pre-IP on, on all of those. So usually once the, the company kind of goes public, I will uh, I will exit. Mm-hmm. 23andMe went, you know, uh, public in a SPAC with Virgin. Um, and I'm sure you know SPAC land uh, yeah. trading. I mean, it just, it's, it's happened the same as everyone else. I think 23andMe is a good company, but it was the wrong vehicle, but it's what it is what it is. They needed the cash. So that one I haven't, I haven't liquidated yet just because it doesn't make sense. But, mm-hmm. but no, I try to invest in things that I can control. Right. And, and not that I can control the outcome of a company working or not working, but at least have a better, a better shot of it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's it. And I think, you know, you mentioned Buffett, you know, I've got, so from an, so, so now I can give you that I'm not in the market that much. I don't, I mean, I think right. I have a little bit of Bitcoin, but I'm not really in the market at all. Crypto, um, NFTs, stocks, you know, I've, I've got less than hundred grand in everything, right? All those three things combined. I've got some just for novelty. Right. But I think, you know, there's, you know, history is a pretty good indication of future events, right? So <laughs> look at that, right? Just look at the history, right? You know, Buffett and his philosophy, right? He gets criticized for having so much cash. Well, there's going to be a lot of shit on sale and there's stuff on sale, right? Right. You can kind of go through and deploy that. Buy companies you can get in your mouth, right? You can put in your, you, you can treat like those things are, are true fundamentals. Yes, 
you have the outliers. I look at Amazon and like you have those, but to every Amazon, you've got a thousand others that, you know, di- right. didn't, didn't work. So, you know, picking unicorns is, you know, you hear, it's like, it's like the guy at the track, right? I'm from, from here, there's a horse racing. All the time. There's this guy at the track. You always hear about the big lick he made, but you, you don't hear about yep. the nine months where he didn't uh, get anything and he's, and he's mortgages house of the hilt. So and again, you can, you can make money at that, but is it, is it, that's not really investing in my opinion. Now, if you're doing other strategies and other analytics, there are models that, that have proven to be successful, but you have, it takes discipline, right? And you have yeah. to have at least a model in place that you're following it. But the important piece is the rules that you're setting up. And then like I, perfect example of me, mine was getting out of stocks overnight. If I would have done that, I probably still would have lost it all, but it would have been dwindled out because I would, I, I would, would have stepped to my discipline of that's my investment mandate. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, what I try to invest in the things that I think I can help, right? Even though it's early stage and you could be the next Uber, you know, if I can't help or if I'm not interested in it and, and truly, you know, engaged in it, um, it's not really for me. Right. You got to believe in the product or whatever they're trying to actually accomplish too, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, do you focus on like any specific area? Like you mentioned Uber and Airbnb and 23andMe. Those are kind of, uh, I guess those would be considered tech startups. Like, do you, do you stick more to tech or do you, is it just because tech is the area oh, no, that I mean, venture I mean, capitalism I, is more likely to need help? I did a lot. I've done a lot of stuff in healthcare, um, over the last probably five, 10 years, um, but have a tech, um, component mm. to them. We uh, are just um, trying to spin up a local, um, so this won't be a scaling business. And I think that's another piece too. Everyone thinks that they have to have a billion dollar idea. I'm in the in the video room right now with uh, my video producer, who's done video all of his all of his life, and we're spinning up together a JV um, with digital signage uh, business, um, which is like local, very you know, it's small rural, so you hit like a town of you know 20, 30, 40,000 people that. It, the economics don't make sense for a local Mexican restaurant to, to really advertise on TV, but you've seen all these digital, right. you know, basically TVs. It's a small business that you can start up that, you know, every market could be kicking off a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. 10 markets, it's a million, $2 million. That's a real yeah. business. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I've got billionaire buddies. Like you have something that's going to make you a, a million a year. That's fucking real money, yeah. man. And you can live really, really well off of that. Is it the most sexy thing I'll ever do in my life? No but it's a pretty cool little deal, right? So that's, I think, the other piece, working backwards, it's like, what is that you want or mm-hmm. need? Um, you'd be surprised. If you just service your customers, try to do the right thing, set good expectations, you're uh, you're good. I think um, I think I like to hear a little bit more about like your process of like when you're investigating a new company to, to invest in, because I think there's a lot of similarities between that and actually like picking a publicly traded company that you want to invest in too. Yeah, for sure. So do I agree with the use case, the business case? Do I, do I agree that management has, has, you know, stumbled on a problem that's in the market? Do they have a new, unique methodology to solve said problem? Do they have experience in solving it or in a different industry, right? And what's, what's their plan? Biggest thing for me is how they went through a cycle, right? You give me the 26 year old kid that's walked through that just boy wonder that's even hit a couple, uh, a couple of licks and a couple of base hits or, you know, doubles, um, triples, unless he's lost his ass, right. Not bankrupting, but unless he's got really checked and like mm. a plan really went completely awry, I pass. And that's probably cost me some money in, in the days. 
But that is when you can tell who's running it, right? I mean, I'm giving all these horse analogies, right? But yeah. you, you know, you, you invest in the jockey, not the horse. So that's when you can tell, right? When everyone's got a plan until you get punched yep. in the face, right? What Tyson said, right? It's, it's, that's what I want to see. I want to see when you're at your most vulnerable, when you got knocked down to your ass, how do you handle yourself then? Um, also, and if they haven't had that, you know, then I, I usually do pass, but when they come to me, if they haven't, and they said, listen, I'm the greatest sales guy you ever meet because I'm, I'm fearless. I'm passionate. I believe what I'm doing, but dude, I have no idea how to run a business. <laughs> that vulnerability. Yeah. That's golden. And you would, think, and, and most people don't do that. Right. Cause most people are like, Hey, um, oh, I don't want to tell the investor. I don't have it figured out. Dude, we fucking know you don't have it figured right. out. We know. Honest with me, because then I can help you. But if you're lying and don't tell me, like you know, you know, finance is your weakness, then I'm not going to push my finance guy on you, right? That is the uh, that that's the, you know some of my my philosophy. So I understand you can't get that all the time, especially as a small in- investor, non institutional, don't get that access, and you're only listening to maybe you know um, investor you know earnings reports and things. But and and these guys are polished. But how do you feel when you see them in an interview? How do they strike you, right? I mean, do they are they customer centric? Are they like are they really obsessed over that and that experience? Because that wins, right? Can't out KPI AI yourself to a customer, right? right? Yes. Zappos, <laughs> read that Zappos book, right? Um, what the hell is it called? It's a, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm spacing. Just Google Zappos founder uh, book. It's about culture. Deliver, boom. Delivering happiness. happiness. Read. Thank you. Uh, you Google's quicker than mine. So um, read that book. Like <laughs> That's a founder story that you can get on. They are not the first fucking website to sell shoes online. They, they mm-hmm. focused on that customer journey, happiness, and experience, period. That's what, they, that's what they obsessed over. They obsessed over that in their interview process and whatever. That is someone that you know is going to be successful because they're that obsessed. Again, Bezos case study. How many people made fun of him about how much money he kept on bleeding through, kept on bleeding through what a good story and got it. And look at what mm-hmm. he does now. You know, it, I mean, it's, it's, that's a long ball, but he obsessed over the, the experience as we prime. It can't get, there. it's gotta be inexpensive. Right. And, and the, those, those pieces, those fundamentals value perspective from management is just important as fundamentals on the P and L and balance sheet. I, I love too what you were saying earlier about the, the, uh, looking for the humility, like you want somebody that that has been tested, like you said, right? But is also like not what's the word? Like, how do you? Yeah, I mean, I think just say that. Um, yeah, field tested, right? I mean, they just they they're battle battle tested. They've went through, um, and you know they because everyone has a SWOT now, so everyone has strengths and you know strengths and weaknesses. I think yeah, you know yeah, we have this bad you know connotation of failure especially in the youth now where they have the sense of entitlement, but they're like, Hey, I'm bulletproof. I've got it all figured out. And that's just, no, no. Well, no one's allowed to fail either. Right. Keep keep them on pushing through (laughs) and Oh, well, you're different. I mean, there's, yeah, the world of participation trophies, I think has done a a world of disservice to, uh, to this, this country. And, and and that's a whole other, a whole other adage, but yeah, just what, what is it? Like, have they, have they gone through some like, that is where you can go through and look at some, some setbacks in the businesses and like, Hey, this is what's happened or ask them that, right? If, if you have the ability to go through and look at their track record, yeah. Hey, they're a CEO or CTO of this business. Now, where were they at prior when they had some stuff? And so now we're going through like, Hey, what's, you know, who, who was making key, key decisions when they were at, 
you know, um, Uber, keep on going that when before or after, right after Travis right, left, right. right? Or was out, you know, whatever you call it, left, pushed out, whatever. So what happened after, after that, where were you, right? Where were you then? Right. And what was your, right. your thoughts on it? Those things really kind of shape, uh, shape again, because everyone gets so hyper focused on the fundamentals, which are crucial in investing, right? You know, what's your PE ratio? What's, mm-hmm. what's, what's a trend? What's the burn rate? If you're, you know, pre-revenue or pre-profitability, those are important fundamentals, but the fundamentals of the business are so crucial in my opinion on, Hey, what their value set is. Do, do they align with yours? And do you believe in the, in, in the mission? Mm-hmm. It's okay if the business have bad fundamentals, if you believe that what they're trying to solve for is great. I mean, I passed on, I passed on SpaceX. Yeah. It was fucking stupid. Oh, really? I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, because I, <laughs> he can't be right this many times. Right. I mean, uh, Tesla was like right, coming right. through, like he, he, he had obviously PayPal was there. Tesla, Mike, and then he was getting a lot of criticism. This was probably four years ago. Um, and it was still a dumb valuation then today it was such a fire sale, right. but like, he just can't be right. And it's, and I got, and that was like, he'd already had the concept of coming back in reusable rockets, but like who would have, and he had the plan. I mean, I, I saw the deck right going through and we can take over NASA and be the, like, okay, how that's, this is not going to happen. Fuck it. You did it. <laughs> yeah. but it did. so don't don't back him everyone's giving him shit for twitter man i i i would not bet against that man no no but you also i mean okay so you missed out on spacex but you also probably would have missed out on something like theranos i did miss out on theranos unfortunately and that was uh that was yeah i mean we had a little bit of understanding of science right because i had some health tech companies so we knew that what she was kind of touting wasn't scientifically possible. And also there's a great, there's a great, um, and actually throw her aside management also doesn't just can, doesn't just consider the, the founder, look at the board, old white men Mm -hmm. with no fucking healthcare experience. I mean, that should be, forget her. Let's say she is like the Oracle and she's the Steve John. Like she's it. that doesn't make any sense. Cause you, your job as a founder or CEO would be to surround yourself smarter than you. She really, you know, again, obviously I'm not, you know, everyone knows this now, but it, that, that was a, a big tell. Like, that's great that she's got Kissinger. Cool. Great that she has work. But what does a fucking general know about, you know, diagnostic healthcare? Right. Uh, what is he bringing to the table? Oh, I didn't know you were actually, uh, had the chance to, to invest in that. Oh, that's fucking, oh, what else? Uh, what else have you, you well, passed I on? I even feel bad about myself, man. I can't, uh, well, uh, the, the, how about a one that, that worked yeah, out look, for the best space, that you passed SpaceX on? was another was, one of those. Uh, um, SpaceX was, was a good one. What else did, uh, did we pass on early? Wasn't WhatsApp. WhatsApp was in the, in the middle East. So we, we'd, I didn't see the deck. So I didn't get an option, but I saw the deck on, on WhatsApp when it was kind of going through. Mm-hmm. And again, this is me. I'm a 42 year old guy. And this is the same guy that like, I remember when texting came out, I'm like, that's just fucking stupid. Why would you text anybody? Because you can just call them, right? Just, right. I remember, 18, remember the AT&T commercial? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's cool yeah. texting. It was like, kids are like, that's just the dumbest thing ever. Now, like, I would, I hate talking on the phone, right? Like, why, why do I need to talk to you? Like, I'll just like send like in meeting, all right? In podcast, but my phone's red, ring twice. Like, what can I help? Don't call me, right? Like, let's share like my, the school, my kids, like, you, I don't fucking need to talk to you, right? Text me or WhatsApp me, right? Um, so or don't yeah, exactly. and don't leave a message. Yeah. Like I, I don't. Even, I've not checked my voicemail exactly. in five years. <laughs> That's funny. I, I actually just uh, turned forty this month. It's all, it's all down here, man. It's all down here. So yeah, I remember a lot of the things. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. That's what they tell me. <laughs>
Oh, okay. So there's one last point that uh, that you'd mentioned that I wanted to, to t- circle back on and touch on. You, you'd mentioned uh, when you're looking at the companies and judging whether or not you want to invest in them. You mentioned the the do they have a unique product or could you? I, well, you might need to re-explain that again. Like what was what were the yeah? Words so that I mean, you used? on the businesses that I've created, right? Um, I I've been called like a disruptor, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we we try to go through and we disrupt industries, right? Not because we're super smart, yeah, at yeah. All. It's because I take a very basic approach to people do business with people, period. To be B to C and social, yeah. that, that's that's what we do as humans. So I often go in and I've, I've invested in from, you know, have had healthcare businesses, building material businesses, real estate development, digital marketing business. I mean, I've had a lot of different uh, industry experience, a lot of them that mm-hmm. failed truthfully, but the ones that became, you know, fastest growing 24th. Uh, fastest growing company in the US. And, you know, we almost sold for half a billion dollars. Like all those companies, I had no true understanding of the, how it was done. I un- understood what the market, I understood the problems and the, the challenges with this, this sector, but I did zero work on how it's done currently because that's like cheating off someone's homework. That's a fucking C student, right? So why, why do that? <laughs> now this only works in institutions. Like, so we were in a, that was a pharmacy business that we had but we were, it was still niche. So healthcare can be multi-billion dollars and still be niche where like, you know, if we're dealing with like, you know, mm-hmm. big corp, corporate housing or um, uh, um, corporate medicine and hospital compounding, those are like Bain Capital. Those guys got to figure it out, right? But if you're in a subset of a, of a, of a market, and I always say they're like, there's niches, the riches are in the niches, then sometimes the smart players don't have it, you know, the, the smart money isn't in there. So you're going through and applying like, hey, you know, this is how it's done. Oh, we just, well, it's, we're in the, you know, metal refactoring business. Oh, well, Jim Bob, this is how it's been done for 20 years. That's something that's disruptible, right? That's something I hate hearing. Like, hey, well, the, the, you can't reuse a rocket, said everyone ever until Elon came in. Well, why not? Right. right? And then I think the, the famous adage that he had, like, do you know how expensive it would be if you took a cruise? to the Caribbean on Disney and Disney came home and sunk the fucking cruise ship every time, you know how expensive that would be. That's a lot. And that makes yeah. so much sense to everybody who's taking a Disney, no sense to on the rocket right. space. So those are the big thoughts, big ideas that can kind of go through, but Hey, sometimes the market's not ready. Sometimes, you know, it's too early, you know, you have a good story or, you know, th- those are all pieces of it. That's, that's actually the, the point I wanted to touch on. Because I, I think I remember reading, I, I like to read. <laughs> I remember reading something about um, the printing press. Uh, like, you know, it was invented in what, like the 15th century when it really like took the storm, but it was actually invented a lot sooner than that. But the problem was it didn't have a problem to solve. It was just a, like an oddity, like an interesting idea, but the, it, it, there was no problem. And I think that's another key aspect too that you got to look for. Like, okay, are they? What is their? What problem is the product trying to solve? And is it a real problem? No, for sure. I mean, I mean, look at Google. Look at Google. Yeah, it's, it's you know, obviously, it, what Google is now is different than it was you know ten years ago, even fifteen years ago. But look at Google mm-hmm. before the internet was the internet, and going through, and you had all this massive information. Like they could have the best algorithms, the best insights ever, but if people weren't going to the well to look for answers. There's no value. Mm-hmm. Period. You know that's you yeah, know, that's the, exactly. the Dewey Decimal System back in the day with uh, the library. Like, those kind of got through and the microfiche where you scan articles. Like that's you know that's it. So right. it's only it's only applicable when when it's there. We had a company um, called it's called Ardent now. It's a regenerative medicine company. 
that does stem cells for dogs, cats, and horses. So like, um, you know, degenerative joint disease, mm-hmm. osteoarthritis. Still, I mean, the same technology today we had 12 years ago. Well, I remember we're launching that and like, what was that? I was going to, we were doing a launch and the media was covering it and we were in Salt Lake City and I was telling the cab driver, and this is pre-Uber, what we were there for. I'm like, yeah, man, mm-hmm. that's, that's cool and all, but I just can't support that. It's against my religion. He's thinking stem cells equal killing babies and embryonic stem cells, which is not true. Like it was, it just, but that shows you right, we were just right. super, super early uh, in that, in that sector. So now this new technology really uh, is there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of a smear campaign against stem cells for a while. Yeah, there, just lack there. of education, right? Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, this has been uh, one of the most interesting conversations I think I've had in 22. Uh, I I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential in here, and I'd love to probably bring you back at some point to kind of talk about some more of the other war stories that you got. Yeah, no, anytime, man. I love it. I've, I've enjoyed it. And hopefully there's some value uh, recapping for investors. Don't lose $2 million in four days. <laughs> That's why people come to the show <laughs> to get nuggets like that. Um, but yeah, man, I think it's just like, you know, just dig inside. What's uh what are you really doing this whole thing for? Um, what's driving you and you know, are you happy? And I think that starts from, from within and then just, yeah, continue to learn, continue to ask questions and dude, humans innately are pretty nice people for the most part. Right. So um, when they're alone, yeah, I notice when they get into groups, yeah. they get a lot worse. Just be vulnerable, man, right? just be vulnerable <laughs> and ask and yeah. be surprised. And, uh, yeah. And also, uh, you know, be positive. Yeah. I think that that's an unspoken thing that doesn't, that people should probably hear more of. And try. I agree. Uh, you got anything else you want to leave the listeners with before I sign us off? No, I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, um, you mentioned, you know, Jeremy Dalk's website. Uh, Jeremy has talk on all socials. If anyone wants to, to reach out, um, business ideas, coaching, any, anything that I, I just message me on there or LinkedIn, we're, we're on and love to hear uh, hear things. And yeah, reach out. I, I don't manage all my stuff, but I actually do. It does come to me. Right. So I will, I will respond to everything and I love learning. So if there's something I can do or, uh, to help, um, let me know and check out the book. I mean, it's, uh, it started as I don't ever recommend anyone writing a book. Um, it's, it's painstaking <laughs> and self-reflecting, uh, masochist process, but like yeah. started off very much as a business book. And I just felt it was disingenuine to, only share one side of it because like business is personal. So mm-hmm. I really tore it apart and, and really shared a lot of stuff that was hard for me to go through, but I was really vulnerable in it. And I think the feedback I've gotten has been remarkable because yeah, you're a hard charging CEO finance business guy. There's great stuff in there for you. Like me, you know, having tea and Sheikh Mohammed in the desert, cool story of a kid from Kentucky made it there, but there's also stuff, in my personal life and relationships and just on, on these things. I think there's, if there's, one or two takeaways that could save you some of the heartache that I've had to go through. Um, that's a win for me. So, uh, or even just to see what's possible. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, you are your biggest obstacle and you are the only reason that you can't get anywhere you want to go. Period. I, I love that. Uh, and I love the, uh, the vulnerability too. Uh, that's something that this show has been founded on that idea of, we don't just talk about the exciting parts. We talk about the stuff that, you know, the struggles, right? Uh, so that really, you know, that really speaks to our message too. I love hearing that. Uh, the book is without a plan. We will have the Amazon link in the episode description along with Jeremy's website, jeremydelk.com and the socials. So you guys can check out all that information uh, in the episode description. But unfortunately we've run out of time. So uh, we're going to have to, you know, say thank you to Jeremy for taking the time to chat with us. And we also want to say thanks to everyone who stuck around to the end here. 
We'll be back soon with another exciting episode. But until then, we got to say goodbye. So goodbye. Thanks, Kyle. (laughs) Thanks, Jeremy. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.